Okay, gang. Hope you had a good communion. And uh, <clears throat> thank you so much, Ivy, for that special treat of uh, sharing your journey. Really appreciate your vulnerability, your openness, your realness. It's inspiring to see how you have grown and matured and trusted God and just serving Him in an awesome way. So thank you so much. Uh, let's be turning our Bibles to John chapter 4. I'll be honest with you, uh, I feel I usually don't get nervous when I preach anymore because it's been happening for about 28 years and they still have me up here, so uh, what do I have to lose? But I do feel a little nervous today in speaking about women because we all know that a lot of times when I preach, some things can come out, come out of my mouth that can be you know, uh, not exactly what I mean to say. And so now, as a male, I'm attempting to speak about women and honor them. And so if I say anything to offend the women, just forgiveness up front. Amen? Uh, so, amen. Love you too, Jake. Uh, thanks for breakfast, Jake and Tyler. You guys did an awesome job, and the rest of the guys who helped serve. Uh, it was awesome. And we are excited uh, as well, the sisters and we, uh, you get to have, uh, we're going to give you a flower on your way out of church. Uh, so a little special treat there as well. Okay, I have another challenge today, and that's to, according to my wife, keep you awake during the sermon. Uh, so, amen. Yeah, the coffee is extra powerful today. So, anyways. Uh, okay, John chapter 4. Today's International Women's Day, and the purpose really of this Day internationally is, uh, according to their website, to honor the contributions of women in our society. And so today, I don't, I don't, don't want to just talk about women. I really want to talk about Jesus, amen? Jesus who honored women and uh, uh, how he works powerfully through them uh, today in all the world, but especially uh, what a powerful impact the women in our congregation have uh, in our ministry. Um, you know, uh, um, I talked to one of, uh, one of the women who was going to be coming to church this Sunday. I said, hey, that's a few days ago, I said, hey, we're going to talk about women uh, in the Bible at church on Sunday. And she said, oh boy, like I might be sick. And it was, it was interesting how women in the Bible has a reputation that may not be very honorable. But what I want to uh, prove today or show today is that actually Jesus was an incredible uh, liberator and redeemer and respecter of women and used them powerfully in his ministry. So our thesis today is contrary to the secular and religious culture that he was born into, Jesus honored, valued, and worked powerfully through, through women to change the world in the first century and I believe still changing the world today. Amen? So we're going to look at uh, an example of how Jesus honored a woman in the Gospels. We're going to look at a number of women that uh, were impacted and honored, respected by Jesus and used uh, by Him in the Gospels, in the book of Acts, in some of the epistles. And then I'm going to bring it home to how it uh, really honors some women who are working hard in our ministry uh, today to change the world. Okay. So uh, um, I first want to talk about a little bit of the culture surrounding women in the first century. Now, I don't 
bring this up to stir up old wounds of how badly women have been historically treated. Amen. But it's important to help us understand why, for example, scholar Larry Richards says in his book, uh, Every Woman in the Bible, he says this, It is not an overstatement to affirm that the Gospels portray Jesus as liberating women and lifting them to an equality with men unknown in first century Palestine. Okay, so what was the culture that this person would say this about Jesus? Typically in the first century, a woman even of stature could not engage in commerce and would rarely be seen outside her home. If a woman was in the streets, she often had to be heavily veiled and was prohibited from conversing with men. Rabbis, so that's a little bit of the culture. In the Jewish culture, and again, this isn't everywhere uh, all over Israel, but especially in Jerusalem, there was a higher percentage of uh, scholarly rabbis, the Pharisees, Sadducees, that sort of thing. The rabbis declared women to be exempt from the commandment to learn the law of Moses. So every good, every good Jew had to learn the law, except for the women. Interesting, huh, that the women weren't even called, the, the Talmud would say, it is foolishness to teach the Torah to your daughter. Um, one Talmudic passage perhaps best sums up the situation of women at the time of Christ. They are swathed like a mourner, isolated from people, and shut up in prison. So a very intense culture of inequality uh, in the time of Jesus. Okay, so let's dive here into John chapter 4 and how Jesus interacted with the woman at the well. John chapter 4 and verse 1. Now the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who were baptized but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of the ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. Woman, how can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. 
what you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Let's skip on down to uh, verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. One more verse. Then they said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Jesus and the woman at the well. We find here uh, a woman and the men not regularly talking to women. But not only that, we have a Jew speaking with a Samaritan. And the Jews are, traditionally don't speak to the Samaritans. That's why there's so much cultural tension because the Jews had felt like they were so much better than uh, the Samaritans. And we find a woman who's been divorced five times and currently in an immoral relationship. Imagine if there was a, a, a Pharisee or a high priest there watching Jesus uh, communicate with this, this Samaritan sinful woman. The kind of condemnation that we see in other places, right? But Jesus didn't let any of those things stop him. So, so probably the culture has chewed up and spit out this, this woman. Uh, men probably abusing her, at least using her. Jews condemning her. And the disciples, when they came to see Jesus, were shocked that if the disciples were shocked at Jesus talking to this woman, how would some of the Jewish leaders of that day respond? You know, there's so many cultural and religious barriers crossed here all at once. Jesus spoke to her respectfully and had very... Uh, respectful and deep spiritual conversation with her. He wanted to help her understand that her real thirst was not for the world, but for God. He helped her understand her sinful nature. Now, this, this interaction about her and her husband, go kill your husband, we kind of think like, well, that's kind of disrespectful. Listen, I think it actually is more respectful because Jesus didn't treat her with kid gloves. I think it shows great respect, wouldn't you? To say, we're going to be honest. We're going to deal with the truth. Uh, if you're going to come to me and start drinking some of this eternal water, it's going to spring up to, 
to eternal life, you've got to deal with your sinful nature. And you're struggling with men. So let's talk about it. But he does so, not in a disrespectful way, but a very sensitive way that draws her heart out. And he helped her answer her religious questions, right? In a very respectful way. Jesus worked through her. The woman influenced the whole town. Think of the woman's reputation in the town up until this time. And after Jesus, her reputation after that. Amen? Jesus worked through her powerfully to influence the whole town. Jesus respected her. He saw through her struggles and into how she was created in God's image. She valued her intellect. He valued her intellect, her spirituality, and restored her dignity in the community. I would say that Jesus honored women that day. Amen? The message, I think, though, is more than just to the Samaritan woman. The message was clear to her and to the disciples who witnessed him speaking to her that I am the Christ, I am the Messiah, I'm not influenced by the culture, I'm not influenced by Jewish leaders in regards to women, there's a new way of doing things around, there's a new sheriff in town, <laughs> a new way of doing things around here, women are going to be respected and lifted up, a new era is really being ushered in, and we see Jesus go on repeatedly opening major doors for women, and the women had a prominent role in his ministry. We're going to talk about that a little bit now. In the Gospels, in John chapter 8, with the woman caught in adultery, and the Pharisees, uh, the men, the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, stones in hand, ready to stone her, right? And Jesus, though, said, He who is without sin, let him throw, cast the first stone. And they all dropped their stones and left. And then Jesus was alone with the woman and said, Who is left to condemn you? No one, sir. Go now and leave your life of sin, redeeming her, liberating her, respecting her, even though um, she was caught in adultery. Luke chapter 7, the sinful woman. John chapter 12, who is a Mary who anointed Jesus with oil. This was very offensive to the men because anointing with oil was a priestly duty. And yet these women, out of their love for Jesus, uh, anointed him. In Luke 10, with Mary and Martha, we see Mary sitting and learning at the feet of a rabbi. Again, this is not what women do around the rabbis. The women don't even get to come into the inner courts. They have to stay outside in one spot called the women's court. But Jesus said, no, Mary, sit at my feet, learn from me. And to Martha, it's like actually Mary's chosen what's better. Do you hear the honor, the respect that he gave to Mary? Matthew 27, women right there with the men at the cross. Uh, many of the apostles had fled Jesus uh, during the crucifixion. A few of them came back, but many of the women were courageous and right there. Of course, Jesus honors the women, right? Matthew 28, the first people to see the resurrected Christ. The first people to see him were women, Mary Magdalene and another Mary. In Luke chapter 8, it says women were accompanying Jesus as he preached and taught. Many, many other examples in the Gospels, but those are a few. In the book of Acts, and, and we learned last year as we studied the book, or two years ago as we studied the book of Acts, that the book of Acts is a continuation of Jesus' ministry, and yet now filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. So in Acts chapter 1, 
The men and women were there gathering together in prayer. Acts chapter 9, we have a woman whose name was Dorcas. She says, a woman full of good works and charitable deeds. It says that she was always doing good in helping the poor. This woman was raised from the dead by Peter. Acts chapter 16, we see uh, a woman, Lois, who's probably married, who's married to a Greek, probably uh, not a disciple. And grandmother Eunice had a massive spiritual influence on, on their son and grandson, Timothy, who went on to be an incredible leader in God's uh, church. Next, chapter 16 as well, Lydia, a successful businesswoman, uh, met with, meeting with other women for prayer, uh, was converted, became a disciple, baptized, and opened her church or, or opened her home for the church to meet in. In Acts chapter 18, this is really interesting. Uh, we see Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla and Aquila, uh, partners in the gospel with the Apostle Paul. But there was a zealous teacher, Apollos, that came and was teaching. And it was incredible, learned, and knowledgeable. But Priscilla and Aquila took him aside, took him into their home, and it says taught him the way of God more adequately. So we see a woman teaching a zealous, highly educated man the Bible more adequately. Amen? Pretty awesome. Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned later on as incredible partners in the gospel with, with Paul. And then Acts chapter 21, we have Philip's uh, four single daughters. Okay, so it's not just married women. It's not just there's women with non-Christian husbands. There's grandmas. There's women married to Christian men. And there's single women who are praying and prophesying, all four of them. An incredible impact in the church. Okay, that's the book of Acts. Again, lifting up women, honoring women, uh, and using them powerfully. In the epistles that Paul wrote, so the letters, you know, uh, uh, Romans, 1 Corinthians, etc., most of the rest of the two, New Testament, 40% of his greetings. So Paul, these are letters written to churches or written to, written to people. 40% of his greetings are directed toward women. Amen? 2 Timothy 1, uh, 5, Lois and Eunice, the mother and grandmother of Timothy. I already talked about that. I want to read now Romans chapter 16. Romans 16, and then we're going to end some things that I'm going to share about some of the women in our church. But Romans 16, Paul finishes this letter with his personal greetings. And I want to listen to how much he honors uh, women in that church. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Kentrea. That word servant is deaconess. In other words, she probably had some sort of uh, servant role uh, in the church. Uh, that was an official title role. Uh, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been a great help to many people, including me. If this sounds familiar, it is familiar because this is the same way that Paul instructs the church to receive a Timothy or a Titus, right? Or for a Philemon, he says, hey, hey, treat Phoebe this way. She's an incredible servant woman of God. Verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila. We talked about them. My fellow workers in Christ Jesus, they risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. 
Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Epenetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Adronicus and Junius, my relatives who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampel... Forgive my pronunciation of, of these names. Greet, greet Amplicius, whom I love in the Lord. That sounds good, right? Ampliatus. I'm sure I'll be corrected. Uh, whom I love in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, my fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend, uh, Stacy, let's call her. Uh, greet Apelles, tested and approved in Christ. Greet, greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my relative. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphena. Tryphosa, thank you. Those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me, too. Greet Asyncritus, Flagion, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers with them. It's like, and the bros, too. <laughs> Greet Philologus, Julius, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. Do you see the presence, the powerful influence of women in the church? Amen? And Paul honoring and so thankful uh, to them. So we could go through all of those. I'm not trying those names again, okay? But I, I really wanted to take, the Bible says give honor where honor is due. And it says honor those who work hard amongst you. And on International Women's Day, I want to take the time to honor specifically some groups of women, but then also some specific names of women. Now, I know it's risky. I think Paul probably felt the same thing. If I'm going to start to name names, I'm going to leave some people out. Okay, so let's, let's not be like, why didn't he name me? I mean, it is Women's Day, okay? Okay, let's not, let's just, these are examples, amen? Uh, I want to, the women, this is such an impact in our church, so important. I think of the, all the sisters who sing in, in are on the worship team, amen? Um, even to today, what a blessing we had to, to, uh, uh, be, to be listening to the special music. You know, the women on our administrative staff, the women on our ministry staff. We have women on our board. We have women on our teaching committee. We have women life group leaders. Uh, we have women in our core leadership team. You know, I really want to uh, lift up Deb Nance in our master's ministry. She is a retired nurse. She is a prayer warrior in our church. And if you got a prayer request, you got to talk to Deb because she's a prayer warrior, and she has been praying for me and many others, and I, and I feel it, and I appreciate it. Thank you so much, uh, Deb. But she's our master's ministry. She's working with a, a number of the other uh, uh, older sisters to really be a blessing as the older women, Titus too, to teach the younger women. We're, we're brainstorming about how to, how to do that. Um, thank you so much, Deb, for your impact. Uh, Terry Noel. Uh, she is a teacher in Altoona, the mother of two incredible children. 
Uh, one of those has special needs, and they've just been through a lot, quite a journey of processing that over the five years. But she has taken a, that heartbreak and turned it into a ministry. She's spearheaded in our whole city what she's called SNAPS EC, Special Needs and Parents Support Group. And today I applied to be a member uh, because I'm now entering that, that, that world. And, and Terry accepted me. Thank you, Terry. Uh, she, it was, she had to get advice, but uh, she sounds like I made the grade. But listen, this support group now has uh, nearly 500 members in our city. Just Facebook members, Facebook group members, and is meeting a great need has been honored by the city. Terry's been asked to speak in different areas. Um, Isn't that awesome? Uh, Jesse Jensen. You know, a lot of times, Jesse and I, we're like brother and sister, right? So there's a lot of times, what does a brother got to do? Got to pick on a sister a little bit, right? So Jesse's like, you pick on me all the time. Like, that's because we love you, sister. Um, But I really want to honor Jesse. wasn't going to happen. <laughs> she helps lead our singles ministry. She's a single mom, which I think are the greatest heroes on our planet, single moms. <clears throat> Raising an incredible young son, young man now, not young son who's not young anymore. Um, she serves her extended family in, an am- in amazing ways. Um, she teaches at Head Start, which is a ministry in of itself, tirelessly serves the poor in our community, the homeless, and leads numerous Bible studies in our church. Talk about a woman who's worked hard among us. I think of Chrissy Schroeder, <laughs> which I don't know why you're, you guys are sitting because you're not in your normal spot. <laughs> totally throw me off. Um, but an incredible wife, mother, a teacher at Memorial High School. Um, she has, uh, her and her husband Travis have adopted a teenager from the Philippines. Not a little baby, a teenager. Uh, she coaches one of the top cheer and stunt teams in the state of Wisconsin. And I've seen her with those uh, mostly girls but young men. It's a ministry. She cares for her. I saw her one time at a football game. Uh, uh, sitting down with her arm around one of the girls, just giving her heart and taking care of, of them. Thank you, Chrissy, for your hard work and service. You know, I think of Amber, who uh, is an incredible mom and wife. She lives in Durand, so when she drives to church, it's not like our little three-minute drive, about 45 minutes both ways, right? But she gets here as often as she can, is a faithful disciple and is impacting her neighbors, studying the Bible with one of her neighbors, and, and, and that uh, neighbor is about to be baptized into Christ. Woo-hoo! Amen? And her mom very impacted as well. Um, so, a- Amber. Uh, Ellen Shuby, single sister, kids' kingdom coordinator, teacher at Chatech, uh, involved in the campus ministry leadership, Involved in the singles ministry, also on the church board. Someone's got to rein Chris in, besides Laura. So Ellen's like, okay, I got you, sister. All right? 
Uh, just tireless serving today, uh, doing the PowerPoint, which is not an easy job, especially when Joel is preaching. Okay? Um, and then I would be remiss if I didn't talk about my wife. Mother of three teenagers. Mic drop right there. Okay? <laughs> Enough said. Um, leader in our women's ministry, teaches the Bible here and all over the country. A primary giver to primary caregiver to her 93-year-old father. Uh, recently has become a foster mom because she was had so much time on her hands. Just a joke. Um, and the best wife in the world. We could go on and on, but you know, I know you want the sermon in, so I got to stop. So it's really your fault. Okay. <laughs> so many women in our church, right? Story after story after story. Karen Stanek, who tirelessly serves middle schoolers all day long. And then she's like, I know, I'll do more. I'll run a math club. So then she gets there at whatever, 6.30 a.m., because I had to get my girl there at that early hour uh, to do more for the school. And then our middle schoolers here make sure she runs a life group for middle school girls just so they had a good place to go during life group night. Are you kidding? It's just story after story after story. Our church would not be what it is without amazing women of God serving God, and Jesus working powerfully, powerfully through them. So women, we honor you. We love you. Thank you so much. In conclusion, amen. Let's do it. In conclusion, men, let's be like Jesus. Amen? Let's treat women with respect and honor them. Give honor uh, to where honor is due. Uh, women, couple things, if you're feeling chewed up and spit out by the world, come to Jesus. Amen? Let Jesus respect you and redeem you. If you're feeling broken, unlovable, maybe alone, come to Jesus. Let Jesus be the one to heal your heart, to love you unconditionally, and to promise, and he's faithful to that promise, to never leave nor forsake you. If you're feeling devalued, marginalized, wondering what difference can I really make, what difference can I really make in the world? Listen, come to Jesus. Because Jesus does a powerful work in you and then through you to have an incredible spiritual influence in our world. And your reward and treasure will be, yeah, a little bit here on earth, but in the age to come, eternal life. Amen?